today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Uh, I'm shopping and I'm otherwise traditionally comparing um, prices. And, and if I'm more value conscious, that is how I shop. And that, I think, sort of concept of being able to find comparable products, compare them and shop for them and make a choice, I think has uh, translated to financial services as well. Uh, in some sense, exacerbated by the move to the digital world where now I can fairly easily, without having to walk into a branch, uh, sort of do that comparison and then make a choice. So in, in that sense, I think consumers have been trained to expect that from their financial services providers. And, and I think they need to then uh, reflect it in the way they put their offerings and their pricing forward. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Before COVID-19 hit, we spent a lot of time talking about the competitive environment for bank deposits. Every week, an incumbent or new challenger bank was making high-rate offers in order to attract new customers. This dynamic may be different now, but financial institutions are getting increasingly savvy about their pricing strategies. Borrowing from retail, we're moving away from one price fits all into a more data-driven and competitive market. Joining us on the podcast today is Nomis' Prashant Balapur. We talk about the firm's new product, a lightweight tool which provides banks and credit unions real-time pricing intelligence around mortgages and deposits. Prashant describes how many FIs make pricing decisions today and what type of data science it takes to optimize products across sectors, geographies, and customers. Prashant Balapur is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, uh, my name is Prashant Balapur. I lead uh, product and marketing at Nomis. And for those not familiar with Nomis, would you like to kind of give the elevator pitch? Sure. Uh, Nomis. So Nomis happens to be the Greek word for coin. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Nomis was founded on a, on a simple kind of premise, which is that banking and financial services uh, still viewed pricing as a, uh, as a cost plus activity. Uh, so, you know, if you're familiar with how lots of industries price, you think of uh, how much something costs to make. And in banking, certainly on the lending side, uh, cost is usually the risk that the bank takes on. And then you add something to it. That is your margin, that's your profit. And you price to that. Uh, when Bob Phillips, our founder, sort of looked at this problem and he had been sort of, he had done this in a number of other industries, he quickly came to the conclusion that uh, banking and financial services was also a consumer facing product, right? You are ultimately um, selling a valuable good and a valuable service to, to your consumers. There could be borrowers who want to borrow money from you. There could be depositors who want to put money into the bank. And when you have that, when you, and when you have that in a competitive dynamic, uh, it is a, it's ultimately a consumer good. And when you have a consumer good, you need to think of this from a consumer's perspective. So it is no longer a cost plus problem. It is a value-based pricing problem. And, and that is kind of the genesis of, of, of Nomis. So sort of rethinking pricing, which is uh, at the core of that value exchange that takes place uh, from kind of, you know, what were traditionally cost plus strategies to uh, value-based strategies. That, that parallel with, with consumer goods is interesting. Do you think sort of the the level of competition within consumer goods has influenced the way um, banks are pricing their products? Do you think there's a direct influence? Um, I think there, there is a direct influence in, from a consumer standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, right, I, I'm, and especially now, when 
you know, we are in the in the COVID sort of era, right? We can't walk out to a grocery store. It's all happening online. Uh, we are no longer worried about price right now. We are primarily worried about availability. But uh, I'm shopping and I'm otherwise traditionally comparing um, prices. And and if I'm more value conscious, that is how I shop. And that, I think, sort of concept of being able to find comparable products, compare them and shop for them and make a choice, I think has uh, translated to financial services as well. Uh, in some sense, exacerbated by the move to the digital world where now I can fairly easily, without having to walk into a branch, uh, sort of do that comparison and then make a choice. So in, in that sense, I think consumers have been trained to expect that from their financial services providers. And, and I think they need to then uh, reflect it in the way they put their offerings and their pricing forward. So, so where are we, I guess, in the rollout of that in the banking, on the banking side, like how, um, how mature, you know, banks in terms of competing or or, or being strategic about pricing? Um, I think it's so uh, different markets and different sort of segments seem to be at uh, waiting points of maturity, but if you think of the deposit side of the house, so, so broadly speaking, uh, right, you banks take in dollars from consumers, you know, deposits, savings and deposits, if you may, and they lend it out. Um, and on the deposit side of the house, the concept of using uh, data and analytics to think both strategically, but then tactically about pricing has become uh, quite fundamental. On the lending side as well, uh essentially thinking about not just risk but thinking about competition thinking about the the value exchange that is taking place uh, a consumer's willingness to pay has also become sort of dominant so the i think strategically the concept is widely adopted now uh does everyone actually execute on that adoption uh, there is that's that's a mixed pack right there are some who are very far along and and others uh taking their, their first sort of baby steps. And what differentiates those types of institutions? Why, why, is, why would one institution be further along the adoption curve and another not? Right, so I think a couple of factors seem to come into play uh, because we work across a number of different uh, you know, geographies. And, uh, we are in Asia Pac, we are obviously in the US, that's where we're headquartered. Uh, we work with all of the five major banks in, in Canada. We have you know, European, uh, customers as well. So it, on that spectrum, uh, some of it is sort of just the market dynamics, uh, where if you take small concentrated markets like Canada, we see sort of rapid adoption uh, once a couple of uh, the banks or lenders start to adopt a, a certain uh, way of doing things, in this case, sort of data-driven pricing. So we, we do see that sort of some you know market forces at play. In other cases, uh, it is sort of the, the prevalent practices uh, that may be available or that are uh, represent in the market. Uh, and the third might just be the maturity of the systems and technologies and the effort that a bank may need to put in. So, so we see a few different factors, uh, factors at play that might influence uh, adoption. We see some markets a little further along than, than others. Uh, the US as an example, there is a broad spectrum. Uh, some very mature. Um, others literally uh, just getting and taking their first steps in. So when, when Nomis goes into a, a prospective new client, is there a lot of um, education that accompanies that? 
Uh, there used to be. Um, I think we've, you know we've come a long way, not just for Nomus, but as a, I think for for the industry as a whole. Uh, so now it is it's gone from nobody really asks us uh, whether they should do it or why they should do it. it uh, I think we we go straight into the how uh, and, and the best way to approach it and and how to um, get the most value fastest or, or minimize risk and so forth. So I think the, the educational piece, the evangelism that, that we did uh, for a number of years when we started off uh, has certainly sort of shifted as the market has started to acclimatize and adopt the, the approach. So can you take us through just a, a phantom um, deployment? Like what, how do you answer the how? Um, what, yeah. you know, I, I'm a bank, I, we just signed up. Who are you selling right. to by the way? Um, and what, what happens next? Yeah, so pricing is still, uh, again, this is this speaks to maturity a little bit. So pricing in some cases is owned by a function, um, but in most cases it is rolled into uh, the head of a product line. So I might mm-hmm. be the head of mortgages, I might be the head of savings and deposits. Uh, and for smaller institutions, you might be the CFO uh, or, or in fact, you know, someone in the CX sort of suite that is, uh, that is making the decision. So I bought it and there are typically a couple of different uh, phases that the, the process, uh, the deployment runs through. Uh, but before we get into that, I think it depends on the end of the problem that you're tackling. There are some banks where uh, it is critical to get the, the pricing analytical decision-making right. Uh, that is the back end or the back office sort of portion of the puzzle. Uh, in, in some other institutions, it is critical to get the front end or the front, la- front line problem uh, right and to address that uh, right off the bat. Uh, and, and that is true for many markets where there's a lot of negotiation or discretion that happens um, when you walk into a branch to, to take out a loan. So depending on which end of the problem you're tackling first, we, we basically walk in, we do a quick sort of uh, assessment of where the key pain points are and then based on uh, which end of the problem we start the deployment from, and our platform sort of covers that spectrum end to end from the back office of decision-making all the way to the, the frontline presentment. And based on where we are starting, there are a couple of different approaches, but if it's the back office, for instance, you would start with uh, a quick assessment of data um, and sort of sourcing that information, moving into an analytical exercise, and then a, a rollout to their core product and pricing teams. If it's the front line, uh, we work with them to understand sort of pricing policies and roll that out to our uh, frontline capability and frontline product. Uh, and that there's a there's a change management and training exercise that goes through uh, that we take their uh, frontline bankers, for instance, through. Interesting. And and do you see um, do you see some of your clients start maybe back office and then migrate towards the front once they get comfortable with that? Is is there yeah, yeah. sort of a, an evolution there? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, in fact, um, we started off in the back office. Uh, you know, our, our pedigree, again, given our founder's background, was very much and, and continues to be rooted in that data science, uh, that deep understanding of consumer behavior, and, and using that to apply uh, or applying that to pricing. So, that's where we have traditionally started, or and, and that's where I think most of our deployments start, and then they will migrate to what we call execution and then eventually presentment. Uh, we have had more recently cases where the urgency was all about uh, managing that, that frontline 
and and inculcating that behavior change in in what we call the last mile exchange meaning you could you could have the best science and best optimization in the back end but if you haven't sort of changed salesforce salesperson behavior in how they then communicate it to uh, or have that dialogue about product and pricing with their with their consumers none of that value flows through so more recently uh, interestingly we have been starting uh, in the front line they've been putting that in place uh, and then talking about the science and the optimization um, so that that is under the hood and and how is uh, how is nomis um price like what's the pricing model yeah it's a so we are cloud based saas um, mm-hmm. so the the entire platform there are a series of modules uh, it's a subscription service we uh, it's typically anywhere from a 3 to 5 year um, subscription so our our traditional products um, and and we'll, we'll touch on kind of some of the new things that we've just launched but our traditional products are you could think of them as enterprise saas so um, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars as a subscription st- uh, sort of price point annually over a 3 to 5 year term um, and the newer offerings are are quite different because the other thing that we have realized is uh, we are pushing to accelerate kind of time to value and time to market uh, with our customers and and in some sense also democratize the adoption of pricing so we are we are taking these concepts packaging them up and rolling out and have rolled out uh, very recently um products and modules on the platform that are at a much easier to absorb and easier to adopt sort of price point uh, but traditionally 3 to 5 year uh, sort of subscriptions uh, with uh, with kind of annual pace got it so i th- i think it's a great time to talk about um, those new products i know you're excited about those so take, <laughs> can you describe what they are yeah uh, so uh, we just launched uh, a product called insight uh, that's a small end for nomus and like insight but spelled a little differently um and the the core idea was to sort of to arm our our customers arm the market with with intelligence um and intelligence about uh, how the markets are operating and intelligence about customers themselves without taking on uh any of the heavy lifting around data around analytics around systems integration uh so so the the goal was how to equip kind of our customers and our markets with um intelligence that they could make good decisions on without um taking on a a large cost or a complex exercise which you know most pricing deployments uh, tend to be and uh, so we have just launched in beta uh it's initially available for the US market uh, and it's for two uh two of the sort of pillar product lines that a bank uh, has uh a deposits and b mortgages and uh they solve sort of some fairly acute kind of needs so on the market side the the standard used to be that information that i would get to do mortgage pricing was on a 36 hour cycle and uh, as you might imagine with with the the volatility and the craziness that is just sort of too long um and we have now shrunk that down to literally uh, real time updates and information happening every 10 minutes so you know you're not quite in uh, real time trading land uh, but 
for mortgage pricing professionals, this is uh, this has been an absolute sort of game changer, right? We have uh, a cohort of earlier offer customers who are, who are absolutely sort of loving the the product that's in in market now. So a, a, a huge shift in the the pace and the level and the granularity of information that is accessible to them. On the deposit side, uh, a similar shift, uh, not in terms of speed and pace as much as granularity. So traditionally, uh, in the U.S., most banks uh, do price their uh, price their deposits by by region, uh, but the the most granular they might get is at a state level. So fifty states. Uh, we have basically sort of turned that um, upside down by starting at a at a customer and a consumer level, uh, wow. by understanding fundamentally what they care about, and and then bubbling that up to say not 50 states, how do you understand granular differences um, at, a, at, a, at a geo level, at a zip three level? So, you know, there are 929 zip threes in the US, there are 41,000 zip fives. That is a 20X at a minimum expansion of granularity. And, and what that allows our customers to do is, is to look at the problem uh, with, a, with a little more precision. So instead of taking a big kind of hatchet to the problem, uh, they're they're now uh, starting to get a lot more surgical again. Lots of great uh, traction and excitement, and uh, even with the the first batch of customers who who we have onboarded, and and lots more to come. That's great, and, and congrats on the on the product launch. Can can you give us on Thank the you. deposit side um, maybe some of the use cases for that 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 some of your you know this this beta cohort is is, is yeah. So, so just uh, I think a couple of things that are starting to uh, stand out. Um, the first is this basic notion. So, if you think of the environment we are in, um, right in the U.S., as in many markets, the central banks have cut their rates uh, down to nearly zero. We are the the Fed funds rate is sitting at twenty five basis points. So, rate by itself is really not going to move the needle a whole lot, right? Um, and, and the reaction that banks have had to that, um, understandably, uh, is that they're all starting to lower the rates. And the question that they're asking themselves is, um, should I do one fell swoop of a cleanup across my entire book, or can I be more surgical? Because um, if I do the former, then my, you know, what's called the net interest margin, my, my spread literally kind of evaporates. Uh, whereas if I take a more surgical approach and if I understand where I can sort of lower it and buy how much and do that more methodically, then I can sort of preserve that margin and redeploy it for other things. And whether that is lending out to, you know, small business lenders or what have you. And, and that's a, that's a core use case. So um, our, our customers are taking this information and saying, uh, I'm not going to just make this blanket change. Uh, across my entire book of business, uh, I'm going to surgically look at areas of risk and opportunity, and I'm going to manage that. I think that is that is uh, that's one key use case. The other thing that everyone uh, is 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 worried about and thinking through is uh, just the the impact, right, of all of the the macroeconomic sort of conditions that are emerging and prediction and forecasting in this environment is very very hard, but part of the, the value prop for insight is, is not just its granularity, but because we have taken a bottom-up consumer level view, we now uh, can help banks better assess where macroeconomic stressors uh, will, will have a strong impact versus a, a weaker impact. And that helps them again 
to to forecast and and rebalance that portfolio. So sort of the kind of the two big use cases are getting more surgical uh, with pricing so that they can redeploy effectively, salvage that capital and redeploy it elsewhere. And then two, getting a better handle on just kind of where they will end the year. It's it's not a forecasting tool uh, by any means, but it has enough of the macro and micro factors sort of built in that they can take their footprint and do a very realistic assessment of uh, where they're likely to uh, land. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I guess we have, we have time for one last question. Um, I, I want to look a little bit out into the future. So you just launched this new product. Yeah. Um, obviously, hearing you describe it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me to understand how that fits into the existing um, products as well. Um, what, where are you taking the product over time, like over the next you know, 12 months? What, what, what are your biggest priorities in terms of um, pipeline or focus? Right. Yeah. So I think kind of three things. Uh, the first is, is what we just described, right? Which is how do we democratize adoption? So pricing and pricing technology has typically uh, been the purview of, of the large banks. And, and we want to make it easier for uh, everyone to adopt it without kind of investment and total cost of ownership being a key hurdle. So there's a big focus on uh, how do we simplify it? How do we make it easier to, to adopt? And, and insight is kind of a first step into that. Um, the second is a theme we have actually had for, for years now. It's not a sort of new strategy, but something that we are will continue to pursue, which is uh, we believe that Pricing, again, ultimately is that value exchange, right, between the bank, the, the lender, and the customer. So making uh, pricing customer-centric and holistic in that sense uh, is, is critical and crucial. Um, there are lots of things from a product perspective that are going on around it, uh, and it will come down to things like how do I uh, present and execute offers that may not just be about uh, rates um, or you know, pricing in a traditional sense, right? It could be rewards, it could be other types of incentives that I'm providing my, my consumers. Um, and banks need a lot of help in, in that area and, and the platform uh, will continue to sort of push in that direction. And the third is just the, the natural kind of shift uh, to digital. Uh, and as that happens, we have a number of customers who are sort of asking us to sort of support them in that endeavor, right? And that's a bit of a technology, uh, there's a technology angle to it, uh, meaning how do you then increasingly enable the consumption of pricing and the right offers to be delivered in any channel, right? In any format. And and there are a number of things that we're doing from a platform perspective that sort of gives our customers and, and the market that agility and that flexibility. So um, sort of those are the three things, sort of democratize it, right? Make it uh, accessible to everyone, uh, get down to the sort of present pricing holistically to a uh, customer. It's not just about rate. Think about all of the incentives and then um, make it ubiquitous uh, for them to deliver regardless of the channel. Sean, thank you very much for joining us on the Tearsheet podcast today. Awesome. Zach, this is fun. Thank you.